are you a fatalist? Do you believe that destiny is carved in stone? Or do you believe that you have free will and a choice? From my perspective and the way I approach astrology, you have archetypal energies, celestially speaking, but the choices that you make on a minute by minute basis will impact what happens. And the consequences of those choices will be entirely dictated by what you end up deciding that you're going to do based on the situation you found yourself in. Hello and welcome to It's a Journey podcast. How are you healing today? Your host, Stephanie Naidu, welcomes guests from different parts of the globe with professional expertise in health and holistic wellness. Holistic means physical, emotional, social and spiritual well-being. So what do all of our guests have in common? It's their dedication to help us with our healing journey and personal development. Let's dive into this new episode with our special guest and explore the answers in order to continue our personal journey's exploration towards healing and self-love. Melusine is a Jungian psychologist whose professional training includes certification in astrological chart analysis and a shamanic apprenticeship under an Ojibwe elder of the First Nations of Canada. She is trained to reach into the multidimensional universe to retrieve information to aid her clients who seek wholeness and harmony on a physical, emotional, and spiritual level. A born synthetic who is able to see sound and energy Melusine has combined her natural talents with modern therapeutic techniques and ancient traditions to offer clients a unique perspective and comprehensive solution to any challenges they aim to overcome. In this 11th episode, I will be talking to Melusine about astrology. Our topic today is, it's written in the stars. What's astrology? Hi, Melusine. It's such a pleasure to have you here um, for my podcast. It's a journey. Welcome. It is my pleasure, and I'm so grateful to have been given the opportunity to be with you here today. Wonderful. Um, so I would like to know more about your journey and how you became a Western astrologer. Let's start in the present and then work our way backwards. So Currently, I am functioning as a counselor and psychologist with a specialization in the Jungian framework, and I am also a uh, portrait artist, a professional classically trained portrait artist. So I have a foot in the scientific arena and a foot in the artistic arena, and I was always in the search for disciplines that involved a little bit of both. When we immigrated to Canada, which is where I am now, uh, I was three years old and I was an only child. So I was left to my own devices a great deal of the time because both of my parents worked and they were learning English because they didn't speak English when we first arrived. So I spent a many number of years in trees. I would climb trees, I would sit in the branches, and I would look up at the sky. So my relationship with the stars was early, uh, and I was always in wonderment, but I grew up in a city, and the view of the city stars basically is a handful of constellations at best. When I ended up on a school trip at a camping area that was north of here, and then I stepped out of the cabin and I saw the Milky Way in front of me, I forgot there were stairs. 
and I fell because I never saw anything more magnificent than the stars that were just spread right in front of me like a canvas. So that was my introduction to the fact that we are part of some magical, mysterious, extraordinary area of life that being on this beautiful planet could be impossible to understand completely through an entire lifetime. So fast forwarding, uh, when it came to my education, my father said, uh, well, you're never going to make a living as an artist, so you better pick something that's a little bit more practical, which is where the psychology came in. But I also felt this compulsive need to tell a story through pictures. That got me into the film business, and I studied directing, made a number of my own films. And when I was in the process of writing one, I decided to make a character a shaman. But I knew nothing, nothing nothing about shamanism but because I live in Canada and you have the indigenous community there are shamans that are among the indigenous people and so I thought well I can meet one personally have a conversation and then I will have enough to be able to write a script that encompasses that so I went to this elder made an appointment we had this conversation and he started asking me a lot of questions and that made no sense to me at all because I was supposed to be interviewing him. Mm -hmm. At which point he said, well, if you had been born into our tribe, you would have been the shaman. So there's nothing I could tell you, you don't already know. So I walked away, scratching my head, completely confused about that conversation. Then I went back and said, I really can't write a script on the basis of what you said to me. And he said, it's okay, I'll teach you what I know and then you can honor your ancestors after that. So that in and of itself was a huge journey. But through the course of the training, he handed me eight books and he said, read these, remember what you already know. Mm -hmm. Once again, that was talking to me in riddles. What do you mean, remember what I already know? The books were a series of astrology books that wow. took you from the very basics all the way to the higher advanced. And in those days, we didn't have computers. You didn't have a program that did it all for you. You had to do the math. You had to calculate on the basis of a, an ephemeris. It was a lot of calculation. But since the scientific side of me enjoyed that, I thought, oh my goodness, this is magical too. So the practical application of doing the math and then suddenly producing a birth chart, which is somebody's blueprint that you have the privilege of looking at, well, that satisfied me on all fronts. So I decided to dedicate a lot of time. And the beauty of astrology is it is so complex. And there are areas that you can focus on from a mastery level standpoint, but there's still more. I'm still... I've been at it for over 20 years, but I'm still, as far as I'm concerned, just touching, touching the surface of something that is cosmically amazing. So, and I love sharing that with people. So that is how astrology came into my life and how I am still in the process of learning, but I'd like to share what I know and uh, the number of years that I have dedicated to that will hopefully be made manifest in, in what I present to the public. Mm. Wonderful. Um, talking about the um, astrology and the history of uh, astrology, um, in Western astrology, uh, uh, it was very popular in, in terms of, like, you know, the, the Renaissance in Europe, and the kings would frequently uh, go to their astrologers for big decisions. So these astrologers, they were also um, astronomers. Um, but then, however, 
at some point it became taboo, while in Asia, um, astrology continued to be part of the daily life. Can you, can you tell me why? I would like to explain that in terms of astrology being a means by which you measure time. Mm. And in Asia, for the vast majority of cultures within that geography, the time is measured by way of lunar cycles. And that has not changed in thousands of years. It has not changed. And if you take a look at Vedic astrology, which is very different in, in one sense, where the Western Western deals in, in a tropical seasonal astrology, whereas Vedic deals with uh, attention to the procession of the equinoxes, which puts things in a little bit of a different perspective. And even their charts, their, their square charts, whereas mm. the, the tropical are circular. But we get down to the same information with respect to the energies and how they are applied into our, our daily lives. So the other thing that I believe there are a great number of similarities in the East is that they have religions that are pantheistic. So you have gods and goddesses, and each of those represents specific characteristics. And then when the West went towards a monotheistic belief system, then a lot of other things started to change because then we had the adaptation of a Gregorian calendar. The Gregorian calendar is not a lunar calendar. And as a consequence, it does not adhere to those cycles so this is where you had the branching off, the consequence of the belief systems going towards the Judeo-Christian spectrum and how time is measured as a consequence of that shift from pagan, where they had divine feminine goddess worship, and shifting that into a monotheistic system. So I think that's a reflection and a cause for that di difference. Mm, okay, I see. Thank you so much. Um, you know, you know, in astrology, and even like you know, with the with the um, the sky and the stars, there is like this expression about like you know uh, being born in, uh, under like a lucky star. And how about if I was not born under a lucky star? How can I change? Or uh, you know, what do I have like as a power to change my destiny? This is boiling down to a question of. Are you a fatalist? Do you believe that destiny is carved in stone? Or do you believe that you have free will and a choice? From my perspective and the way I approach astrology, you have archetypal energies, celestially speaking, but the choices that you make on a minute-by-minute -minute basis will impact what happens, and the consequences of those choices will be entirely dictated by what you end up deciding that you're going to do based on the situation you found yourself in. So there are a multitude of different approaches to a variety of problems and situations. Mm -hmm. And part of what I do from an astrological standpoint is tell you what the percolating energies are, how they impact you personally, and then give you the best suggestion with respect to how to navigate through that, especially if it's a difficult situation or you think there's an obstacle there. There are always ways to solve that problem. And astrology is a tool to arrive there. Mm. So, so how can astrology help me in my life? The practical applications of astrology, from my standpoint, there's an mm. expression 
that fits here when you say forewarned is forearmed. So instead of being reactive and approaching the world from a victimhood standpoint, as in why is this happening to me? Why does this repeatedly occur? When you investigate the circumstances from that archetypal energy template, then you can turn around and be proactive about what you do at any given point. Many times a person will come to me and say, I'm going to be taking a job in another country. What do you think? When's the best time to go? And I can look with respect to this. This is uh, called elective astrology or uh, what's the best date at this month to get married? So this is when things align in such a way that it would be favorable to make a choice to do something of that magnitude, which could be life altering when you when you get married, when you buy a house, when you have children, when you uh, work elsewhere, or literally pick up your roots and go to a completely foreign country. There are times where that would be more favorable. And that is where I would be obligated to share that information. So you could make those steps in a way that is empowering. Mm, okay and you know you were talking about like the uh, different shape um, of the chart so would it be uh, possible to uh, take a look at a chart and then do Absolutely. like a little uh, d- demonstration for certain so i will give you an example the chart that you see here has already occurred it is the new moon that happened on april the 1st Mm -hmm. And it was in the fire sign Aries. So what you see in this circle, the entire year is split into 12. This is your wheel where the earth is orbiting around the sun. And the first sign is Aries, which is indicated by this sigil right here. So when we on April 1st experienced the new moon, a new moon always means that the moon and sun are in the same place. So you have the new moon and the sun both in Aries, also joined by Mercury and by Chiron. So then it's a question of explaining what those energies are. Each planet is called a wandering star and each planet contains specific energies that can be described. The energies are represented by the planets These are lines that are across here are the house cusps. So the house is where this is happening in your life, depending on what your sign and your ascendant is, which is calculated. This horizontal line is where the sun rises and the sun sets based on the day that you were born. In this instance, what we have here is a chart for New York. The place matters geographically with respect to where these houses end up. And then it goes, as you can see, we go from Aries to Taurus. Taurus is the next sign. And you can see that Uranus, this is the sigil for Uranus, that is right there in Taurus. And it's in the second house. The second house represents resources and value systems. So I would be more than happy to explain all of those things. And that is what I intend to do with respect to lunar cycles. So in this instance, this new moon that occurred on the first has a two week period until such time as this moon makes its way because the phase of the moon changes and it's a 28 day cycle. And then you have it going to the full moon. As you can see, it would be opposite the sun, which would be still in Aries. Uh, And it would be in Libra. So the full moon will be in Libra, which is a very different energy. And you can see Libra represents here the seventh house of relationships. Yeah. So that's in two weeks. Yes, exactly. 
So then you have these cycles of two weeks and then two weeks. Mm -hmm. So that energy will carry for those two weeks. And it's important to know what's happening for you, where these houses are and where these signs are, because the signs are how these energies play out in each individual natal chart. So this would give you an indication of where, when you see a red line like that, then that's a square because it's a 90 degree angle and squares and oppositions tend to be tense energies. So these are where you will have situations that might arise that could be um, conflicting. So, so the energies don't line up harmonically well and they don't mix nicely. They, they don't like uh, certain components there in terms of say uh, Mars is hot and dry. So Mars likes to be in a place that's hot and dry. It doesn't like to be in a place that's cold and moist. So when it's in that sign, then it's not at its highest power. And where it is in relation to the other planets is, is the way this dance plays out celestially and how it plays out in each of our lives. Mm. So, Melusine, for example, if this chart would be for a person, so let's say a baby would be born in uh, 1st April, mm -hmm. um, that baby would have the sun sign in Aries, right? Mm -hmm. Correct. The ascendant will be also in Aries or is it in Pisces? The ascendant in this case, based on where the cusp is located, would also be in Aries. It will be in Aries. Okay. Yes. And the baby's moon sign will be would also, also be Aries. In Aries. That's so interesting. Yes, a lot of Aries. <laughs> a lot okay. of fire. This is, this is a hot baby. <laughs> <laughs> but this is, I mean, to get started with astrology, uh, people need, like, as basics, they need to know, like, their sun sign, um, ascendant, and then uh, moon sign, right? Precisely. The moon represents emotions and how you feel secure. And it's extremely significant. And it also is a question of, most people are under the assumption that the sun sign is what your sign is. And in many instances, say, for example, uh, a person is born with a stellium, which is what you have here. When you have multiple planets in one place, mm -hmm. then that trumps one that might be. So say this person had a bunch of these planets, but their sun was over here in Scorpio. Mm -hmm. People would assume that that person was a Scorpio. But in all probability, in terms of an elemental breakdown, how much earth, water, fire, or air they have, that would be a fire configuration. So that is the way that I would approach that person's birth chart it's not about just where your sun is the mm -hmm. ascendant and the moon are just as significant when when it comes to interpretations okay okay um so so now for example so if during the consultation let's say this person is a, a scorpio um but as you say a stellium in aries how uh, how the person would apply the teaching from what you're saying what you know how how, how do we do that the essence of any type of transit situation, which is different than a natal chart, a natal chart is a snapshot of the day you were born, where those planets were in the sky, and you have to understand that this is an actual two-dimensional interpretation of something that is actually a sphere. So your midheaven is the top half of the sphere. Uh, and your nadir is at the bottom half. So you have to take into consideration that you're seeing a flat piece of paper, but it is in actual fact three-dimensional, which is why I always suggest that a person go outside and commune with the planets, actually go out there and look at them. And if you're, if you're of Venus 
evening star or morning star that gives a whole different character to an individual. So all of that comes into play when it comes to the birth chart. And mm -hmm. uh, if you're fire dependent, then the way that I would advise has a lot to do with finding balance. So I call it alchemical astrology because if there's a lot of fire, then you need to put a little more cool moisture into that person's space so that they can function in a more balanced fashion. Hot people tend to be spontaneous, impulsive. Uh, quite often, if there's a lot of fire, then they can be outspoken, but sometimes quickly speak without taking a moment, as my mother used to say, dip your tongue into your brain before you open your mouth. So sometimes when that heat is there, then it, you can end up saying things that you might turn around and say, oh, that wasn't a very good idea. So there are ways to manage that so that then you can find yourself in a situation where you're taking these things as a blessing, working towards arriving at some kind of medium ground. Mm -hmm. And then it's much easier when it comes to negotiating and working your way through various situations, which involves other people. Mm, I, re I really like what you said about like, you know, getting out and then looking at the uh, skies and sometimes it's having conversation, you know, with the stars. And then the other thing that you said is like, um, once you uh, know the elements, the key elements in your chart, it's about finding balance. So, you know, that's, that's wonderful. Thank you so much. Yeah, um, there's no good or bad. It's really just a question of harmonics, working yes. with what you have and playing with what needs to be added. Mm, absolutely. Um, wonderful. So um, now um, we're gonna um, we're gonna ask uh, the last my last question, and I love to ask that question to my all my guests because I each time I, I receive a different answers, and even it's like very surprising answers. So um, in terms of your uh, daily practice. How do you, you know, um, what do you have? Do you have one? And then if if you do, and it, even if you don't, what, what is it? Again, I try to walk my talk and practice what I preach. I am a druid. So that involves a, basically a, a form of um, incorporating nature into what I do. So the first thing that I do, uh, in addition to meditation, because I was also initiated through the Munai Ki, which is a shamanic practice that is based out of Peru. So as a Munai Ki initiate, I do a certain meditation in the morning, which then I immediately go out into nature as part oh. of that routine, mm -hmm. so that the energy that I have created by doing that meditation, I can then expand out and convey that and communicate to the forest or the river or the lake, wherever it is that I find myself and wait and hear what, what it tells me. I always get some kind of message, whether it's a bird or a, an animal I encounter, a salamander on the road, or I hear a raccoon rustling. They're always there to give us some information so if we are aware and alert and connected mm -hmm. then it is extraordinary what we can discover simply by being fully present in in a natural setting mm. and once you know this information do you do you write it down or do you yes. journal or something? Oh, you do. yes okay. and 
definitely. Or I'll bring a sketchbook with me uh, oh, yeah. and capture capture something that I immediately see that if 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 it gives me such a, a state of joy and elation, or like that mm-hmm. moment is as close to creator as I have gotten, it's the greatest way to start your morning, no matter. What happens through the course of the day? You're centered, you're grounded, you know that you're part of something much bigger and the rest of the dramas become far less significant. Mm, yeah, it's absolutely such a beautiful practice. Thank you so much for, for sharing. And um, thank you also for this conversation and for this really nice introduction to astrology. I am so looking forward to continuing this conversation and I am so blessed to be able to be sharing it with you. You can learn more about Melusine on Instagram at Melusine Star Spark. I also invite you to listen to our podcast at www.sophiastargate.space-podcast and to check out our website, spiritreading.ca. All the links are listed below in the description section on YouTube. Thank you to all our listeners and see you very soon for more on healing, self-love and your personal journey. Thank you for listening and for taking time for yourself. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to our podcast, share this episode with others on social media or leave a rating and a review. To catch the latest from Ujvati, follow us on Instagram, Facebook or Twitter at Ujvati. Thanks again and see you on the next episode.